0: If you want a fresh perspective on what's really happening in sports, we have a brand new daily podcast to recommend. Nothing Personal with David Sampson features former Marlins president David Sampson decoding what's going on behind the scenes when owners make a statement, when a coach tells a lie, when a star gets traded, and much, much more. David's a guy that won a World Series, lost 100 games, and has done everything in between. He'll break through the noise Monday through Friday for a pod available for your drive home commute. Download and subscribe to Nothing Personal with David Sampson on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find your podcasts. And welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Thursday morning, and uh, so that means that it is my favorite time of the week. I get to gather with uh, the closest friends that all of us have here in this podcast world. It's that's Barton Simmons, that's Tom Fernelli We compete uh, for the greatest glory of all, being the Locks Champion, gentlemen. How are we doing?
2: Wonderful.
3: Good as I as I pull out my computer and click out of my troy depth chart tab Uh, (laughs) deep in it yeah yeah that's that was my that was my uh wednesday night just uh
0: did uh, so troy was i guess we oh i'll try i'll try and make sure that we do a better job of addressing the wednesday night fun belts and and throwing out some winners Uh, we got some Feedback on Twitter, of course, you can follow us. You can follow the show at Cover 3 Podcast. You can follow at Barton Simmons, at Tom Fernelli at Chip underscore Patterson. And uh, we are mailbags open, baby. Keep pouring them in. Uh, we will be back with another mailbag or at least uh, hit a, a round of mailbag questions next Monday. So continue to keep them coming. A five-star rating with your review Gets your question on the show. It's the way it works, and we will we will hit as many of them as we can. And we will continue to do that. Now, we've got good listeners, and and we want to hear your questions. They lead to good conversations, and and it's fun. So uh, so we we will start giving out those winners. Were you on Troy, or were you just breaking it down for future Fun Belt picks, Barton?
3: No, I wasn't. I was not on anything. I was just, uh, you know, usually on the weekends we gotta we have to zero in on the the big. Blue blood matchups is nice to nice to be able to get a little get a little eyeball on some some sunbelt action. So yeah, I was just checking it out. I
0: hear you. Tom, how'd you feel about the game?
2: Uh I'm very, very disappointed in South Alabama's red zone offense. And uh you know, just some questionable play calling, some questionable execution, just you know, just just a disappointing effort. There's they're looking solid in the bottom twenty-five.
0: Where are oof? Oh do you have any bottom 25 inspired locks this week
2: uh no actually you know what this week is this is i've unofficially dubbed it the unofficial week of the underdog oh yes because uh i'll get into it from from 26 you know underdogs typically do well because the public generally likes favorites because why wouldn't you they're the favorites But from 2016 to 2018, you could have blindly bet every single underdog, and you would have made money. You wouldn't have made a lot, but they covered 51.9% of the time. Now, if you took that to the next level and went with road underdogs, they covered 53.2% of the time, so you'd actually made a decent amount of money. This year, underdogs, only 206, 224, and 10 against the spread. On the road, they're 147, 155, and 7. So... There's a regression coming here, so. and so are go, you. Gonna,
0: I, was, I mean, I we've we've only got a certain amount of time here. Are you going to lock up every single road underdog?
2: No, no. But as I was going through like the board this week, trying to figure out for the column and for the pod, I was like, man, there are a lot of underdogs I like this week. And that's when I did the did, dug up the numbers, and I was like, all right, we're doing this. This is the unofficial week of the underdog, baby.
0: Let me get the lock fight sound a little bit ready because I got called oh. out. I get called out on CBS Sports HQ for loading up on home teams. I guess I'm playing Public Joe this week. We'll uh, we'll see. Uh, it's been a
2: good year for Public Joe. <laughs>
0: what's uh um for the for the purposes of pacing? Are we looking at about the usual somewhere around eight ish?
2: I have nine locks, a moneyline sprinkle, and a special guest lock.
3: Ooh, I forgot to do my money line sprinkle. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, figure that one out as we go. But yeah, I'm. I'm the. I'm about the normal. The normal number.
0: Cool. Uh, well, let's review what happened in week seven. It was a great week for Barton. Six and three has him up to 21 and four on the season. Uh, the wins were Louisville plus seven at Wake Forest. Iowa State, minus 10. Uh, The Lock Unity of Temple, five and a half. That cashed. The Lock Unity of LSU, minus 13. That cashed. And Lock Unity takes uh, a loss with Michigan, minus 22. Because, Tom, why didn't Illinois respect Queen Latifah?
2: (laughs) I think the question is more, why didn't Michigan respect Queen Latifah and just absolutely go into the... uh, Just go into the tank, not wanting to show anything for this week's game against Penn State and letting Illinois get back in.
0: Uh, I wanted to give a – how about Barton just going on his gut feel that South Carolina plus 24 was a pick, and uh, goodness gracious was South Carolina just going out there. Yeah, they covered.
3: Should have been my money line sprinkle. (laughs) Also got it
0: done. Straight up. And and we've got now like a – as a syndicate, Let's see. What are we looking at for our our lock unity? Four and two. Four and two. All that's right. Not
3: bad.
2: No. Two thirds of
3: the time, man. Yeah, I mean that's good. That's a good number. We, I mean, we obviously have higher expectations for ourselves than that. But I, I, I'll take four and two.
0: Um, and then the loss losses were Florida State plus twenty seven and Michigan State plus eleven. That means the lock agreement between Barton and Tom now falls to Owen four.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> Barton were... and I are on the same wavelength. Yeah, <laughs>
3: look, look, yeah, we're arming we're arming the people with the information, and now you know when Tom and I agree. That's. That's not good.
0: <laughs> uh, Tom went four and six. His wins were the ACC Coastal Weeknight Unders, uh, under 43 and a half in Miami, Virginia, under 60 in Notre Dame, USC. The Lock Unity wins of Temple and LSU. The losses were Michigan State plus 11, the Lock Agreement with Barton, Michigan minus 22 Oklahoma minus 11 in Red River uh the under 53 and a half in Maryland Purdue which was a push if you got it at 54 uh the, the under 58 and a half in Baylor Texas Tech and then uh Fresno State plus three what ended up happening in that game
2: uh Fresno played great for three quarters and then the fourth quarter they just got buried yeah and I'm I'm still mad about that under in Texas Tech Baylor by the way Four. That, was, that was the easiest under in the world. And then it went to overtime.
3: Oh, you got hit bit by that, huh?
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, four and six on the week, 31 and 35 on the season. Uh, my, I had, of course, as we mentioned, the, the loss on the Maryland-Purdue under the loss on the Michigan-Lock Unity wins on the Temple and LSU. Uh, a lock fight win as I lured Barton into a fight with Clemson minus 27 locking it up. Uh, and then a win in under 58 and a half, Oregon, Colorado, losing on Iowa, plus three and a half, losing on Nebraska, plus eight. They just got blowed out by Minnesota, four and five on the week, 27 and 31. Gentlemen, the syndicate is 96, 91 and four. It was a perfect, it was an even 15 and 15 week. So, uh, we are above 500, but we still need to do some work to be able to go and get it in the money. So, y'all ready to to do that and lock it up? Yes, sir.
2: We're picking locks.
3: My blue plate special five-star locks are coming.
2: Come get these
0: locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up.
3: You want these locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every every point, every cover. All right, Barton.
0: You've got the T box, so take us where you want to go.
3: <clears throat> All right. Well, so th- this was one of those weeks. I don't know how you guys felt about the board this week. This was one of those weeks where I, I didn't have necessarily like five games I loved. I had like 20 games I kind of leaned so it's hard to figure out which direction to go. A lot of just staring at a number for like an extended period of time, as and just hoping it it would speak to me. So that said, I don't know like where my most confident play is, but let me start in one of the big ones: Whiteout State College, uh, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan going to State College to to take on James Franklin. I'm I'm gonna roll. With the Nittany Lions, um, nine points, I think is where we got it right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, a few things here. One, uh, this is typically a blowout, one way or the other. Either Michigan's going to blow out Penn State, Penn State's going to blow out Michigan. That's been the that's been the case the last three years. Um, I think that this game is. Michigan's heading into a hostile environment. We discussed last time that Jim Harbaugh is winless as an underdog at Michigan. Uh, this is, I think, an opportunity. I think their offense is going to struggle against this Penn State defense. I think when you get behind a little bit, Shea Patterson has shown he's going to turn the ball over a little bit. Uh, and I think that Penn State offensively, has got enough big plays in the passing game. They're not. They're still not really a an offense I trust to just drive the field. Um, but I do trust them to get a couple big plays. I think once that happens, Michigan's showing that when the flag gates are open, it can get a lo- little bit loose. So, and also, this is Josh Gaddis, former Penn State assistant under James Franklin, coming in as an offensive coordinator. And James Franklin has shown us. That he's got a little bit of a grudge here and there that he likes to exercise. He likes to let people know when they've made mistakes in crossing him, and so I think that he'll he'll take a little um, comfort in uh, punching an extra touchdown in late if he can. So, give me Penn State minus nine, and we'll add a little bit of uh, a little bit of dental agreement to that too. The dentist is also locking this up. Wow! Wow!
2: That's Barton. Do you remember what this week is? (laughs) Hold on. Let me switch it up. This is this is the unofficial week of the underdog
0: and the road underdog
3: of that.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Fight!
3: Fight! Wow! What? Right off the
2: bat, uh, I'm on. I'm on Michigan plus nine, man. Uh, I look at this Penn State team, six and 3 and zero in conference, but it's it's been two different teams for the most part. It against teams like you know Idaho, Buffalo, oh, not Idaho, that, not counting Idaho, FCS seventy nine to seven. We're not going to put, but against Buffalo, Maryland, and Purdue, this is a team that's outscoring its opponents about forty six to six. When it's played two actual defenses in Pitt and Iowa, it's two and zero, but it's outscored its opponents seventeen to eleven. It's it's only scored seventeen points per game, so it goes from scoring forty six points per game against bad teams to seventeen points per game against anybody with a pulse. And Michigan has plenty of problems that we've seen all year long, but this specifically on defense, this team has found itself in the last two weeks. After really not getting any sacks or tackles for loss over the first month of the season, Michigan has 14 sacks and 25 tackles for loss in its last two games. The defense has finally rediscovered who it is. Don Brown has figured out what he's doing with these guys. They are swarming. They're playing very well. And if we talk about Jim Harbaugh and his problems, you know, beating ranked teams on the road and all that kind of stuff, his inability to beat Ohio State, he's been fine against Penn State. Since he came back to Michigan, he's three and one straight up. He's three and one against the spread. And here, here's a fun little fact for uh for us from our friend Chris Nielsen, our Michigan expert who digs deep into the numbers for us. He says a lot of surface level analysis on Harpa's one and six road record against ranked teams. I did some quick research on those six losses. Anyone want to guess the opponents' overall season home record for those six teams Michigan lost to? undefeated. Thirty nine to zero. Yeah. So. I think the point is, yeah, they've, they haven't beat a lot of road teams or a lot of ranked teams on the road, but they've also played a lot of really good ranked teams on the road, and they've lost those games. So I look at all this. I see Penn State offense struggling to find too much success against the Michigan defense, and I don't trust Michigan's offense enough to say that they're going to go into you know Happy Valley and win. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. But I do think this is going to be somewhat of a kind of rock fightish affair, a little more higher scoring than that. So I'm taking Michigan plus the 9 points. Lock it up. Take that dentist. I'm coming after you too.
3: All right. So so for the people at home, just so you have all the information, Tom versus Barton lock fights. Tom leads 2 to 1. Barton Ooh. and Barton and Dentist lock agreements. We haven't had one yet. Tom dentist lock fights dentist is two and zero. So we'll see, we'll see. Which side you gonna jump on here? This will be fun. Hey, at least someone's getting a winner out of this one.
2: It's a good thing the dentist is a dentist because when I get through with him this week,
3: (laughs) um. All right, well I'm. Chip, where are you falling on the spectrum here, man?
0: Oh, I'm. I am staying away from it. I think that I, on CBS Sports HQ, I have been saying Penn State to to cover, but I don't feel confident enough in it to lock it up. I do think that Michigan wants to keep this a uh, little bit lower scoring, and that I guess if you wanted to jump on the under, that might be another play that I would encourage. But there's a, uh, I don't know, Michigan. Michigan's not trustworthy. I don't. I just. That's the. That is the the piece in this matchup that I understand the least. The variance in Michigan's performance from game to game and even quarter to quarter makes them. Uh, I, I don't even know if I'm going to have a lock in a Michigan game for a while. I got to figure them out. So uh, I will enjoy watching this certainly as it takes the prime time slate and the whiteout will look sweet on TV. But uh, I'm going to set this lock fight out. I will, however. Keep us going with the headliners. Do you all want to go to Husky Stadium?
3: Yes. Bring it on.
0: I am going to be locking up Washington. I'm going to be using Washington as my money line sprinkle. And uh, I'm also going to throw the under. So let's... I mean, they're just, just pouring it all out on the table uh, right here in the biggest game of the year in the Pac-12 North. There's like some... There's some simple analysis. The simple analysis would be uh, Chris Peterson versus Mario Cristobal in a huge game in Husky Stadium. I just think that's uh, coaching advantage, Washington. I think that's home field advantage, Washington. Now we start to dive a little bit deeper. I think that this Oregon offense is going to be missing Jacob Breland. The The tight end position has been uh, great for Justin Herbert. And while they do have other options there, including shout out, Lil Patrick Herbert, who's a little bit further down on the depth chart. I don't know if we'll end up seeing him out there, but as this Oregon offense, Continues to try to look for a, a good balance of the run in the pass. I think they're going to run up against a Washington defense that is going to be very, very comfortable trying to keep this game a little bit low scoring. I think that Washington is probably only going to need about 21 points to win this game. I see something like 21 17, you know, a lot of Salvan Ahmed running the ball. Uh, a lot of C.J. Verdell running the ball and just a lot of a lot of punting and a lot of possessions in a game where I don't think that as good as Oregon has been and as much fun as I've had celebrating their defense and sort of the, the cultural identity building that Mario Cristobal has been able to do, you put them in this scenario as a, as a three point favorite on the road, and that's too tasty. I've, I've got to jump on the uh, the home dog there.
2: Tom? Lock agreement. Ooh. Which, all, all of the above? Oh, or? no, no, just not on the, I'm not on the total. I'm just on Washington plus three. I I mean, yeah, I Chip, you said a lot of it. For me, it really does, at the end of the day, boil down to Chris Peterson as a home underdog against Mario Cristobal, and That doesn't seem to go in Oregon's favor, in my opinion. Cristobal could prove me wrong. He's done it somewhat already this year. But I I look at Oregon, and you see who this team has played, and they have looked great against some, you know, Yankee teams, some, like, you know, hinky teams, teams that aren't great, and then they have killed them, and that's good. That's what you're supposed to do. It's just kind of like what I was saying with the Penn State pick, they're not nearly as efficient against better teams, and – Washington is a defense that I think is much better, and I I look at Justin Herbert, who is inconsistent. He he has picked some bad teams apart this season and put up some great numbers, but you look at his last two games. Once now that you know they've gotten into the meat of Pac-12 play, his percentage, his completion percentage, has gone down from like you know seventy-eight percent on the season to it's in the low sixties in the last two games. Even against Colorado in a game they won forty-five to three, he only completed fifty-six percent of his passes. And now he's going up against a much better defense than Colorado surely has. And it's one of the best coach defenses you see in the country year in and year out with a very good secondary and one that can give him, you know, confuse him pre snap with the looks that they're going to give, can cover Oregon's receivers. Chip mentioned Breland being out. I think that's a huge blow to the Oregon offense. And just to speak to the inconsistency of this Oregon program in recent years, the Ducks covered last week. The last 15 times the Ducks have covered the week after, they're 3-12 against the spread. Woo! Yeah. I mean, Friends. It's, they are an up-and-down team. They they play really well one week, and then they kind of you know fail to meet expectations the next week. And I think this is going to be the same case. I think Oregon's a very good team that is fully capable of going up to Seattle and beating Washington on Saturday. If it happens, I'm not going to be surprised at all because this is also a Washington team that— at times has been inconsistent. I mean, hello, losses to Stanford and Cal. What the hell's going on there? But there's no way in hell Washington should be the underdog in this game at home. So, if you're giving me the points, I'm taking them, man.
3: Um all right. This is like a what do we what do we what's the it's like a horse racing term for this or something, but I'm also in lock agreement but not on the total uh, – not on the, the game line, but on the total.
2: So it's <laughs> so a <it's>, double walker.
3: <laughs> yeah, so it's a uh, – yeah. So I got, um, I got under 51, I have, 51 also. Uh, I, I mean, I, I actually would like – and if I ha- have to pick a side, I'm on your side as well on Washington. I just don't trust Washington enough. And I do think Oregon defensively has been really good. I think these are – this is a, a really good Oregon defense. I think this is a Washington defense that is up for the challenge and an Oregon offense that seems to be very content just winning any way they can. I don't think that they, they don't seem to be looking for style points this year. And I just think this is a every yard matters kind of game. And neither of these quarterbacks have demonstrated in in against a really good defense that they're going to let it fly and, and have a ton of success. So. Uh, so yeah, no no need to further break it down. I'm I'm jumping on board under.
2: Excellent.
0: Um. All right. Well then, Tom, take us where you want to go.
2: This this, this is a pick strictly for Barton. I'm taking Oregon State plus eleven at Cal. <laughs> Just <laughs> I, I'm not trusting Cal as this large of a favorite. This it's really what it all boils down to in the end. The, that offense without Chase Garbers has been very bad. It wasn't all that good before. And I know that Oregon State got absolutely, you know, spanked last week, 52 to seven, but that was coming off a big win. They were not really, you know, I- I'm guessing that was a situation where they, this, this is a team that hasn't had a ton of success in recent seasons, and maybe they weren't sure how to handle the week after, and it kind of caught up to them. But I just look, man, Cal's not going to score that many points. Oregon State, they, are a good offense. They have displayed that. It did not show last week, but on the whole, they have been a good offense capable of scoring. They're not going to run up a ton on this Cal defense because it's very good, but they're going to be successful enough to stay within 11 points. And if you look at the trends, Oregon State's 5-1 against the spread in its last five. Last week was the first time it hadn't covered all season long. It's 4-1 and one against the spread in its last five road games. And Cal is 0-4 oh against the spread in its last four at home. You combine all that with the fact that this is an early kickoff for this game. This game is at 2.30 Eastern, which makes it 11.30 in the morning Pacific. I think it's going to be somewhat of a sleepy kind of atmosphere in, in Berkeley. Not that it's ever really raucous there to begin with. Maybe, you know, a little slow start for Cal on offense especially, and Oregon State just kind of hangs around. And honestly, if the Beavers pull this off outright, would either of you be shocked? No. Exactly. So maybe Oregon State and 11.
3: And I, I got to say, if they, if you know, that um, the over two wins was, you know, uh, it was exciting to get that UCLA win, but here we are. If they don't get this one, all of a sudden – Turns it into a little bit of a sweat down the stretch there uh, with uh, Washington, Arizona State, Oregon. So I'll be I'll be rooting for you here, Tom. I'll be rooting for the straight up win.
0: All right, Barton, what you got?
3: Um. All right, let's see what I got here. How about? How about we go with a uh, little SEC action? Hmm. Uh, in 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 a very anti-Tom play here. uh Oh going with a big favorite LSU lay at 18 and a half at Mississippi state. I understand that there is temptation by folks to sort of look for LSU in a letdown spot here to acknowledge that say big win emotional victory, uh, Concentration laps here on the road in Starkville, beneath the the cowbell haze. I'm not buying it. I really just like I've watched. I've watched enough of this Mississippi State team this year to fully acknowledge that this is just not a good football team. And I think there's I, I think there's a reluctance to. To acknowledge that, and this is another one of these games where I I don't think you know Lee Autry Willie Gay won't be in. Uh, Garrett Schrader is going to be the quarterback. I think I think LSU is going to be able to score their typical forty two points or more. And then what is Mississippi State going to put up? I don't. I just don't have faith in this offense right now. Uh, I think they've lost their mojo a little bit. So I think that LSU is, uh, is, is, is going to roll. So LSU minus 18 and a half.
0: I have a play on this game and I am not jumping on the side, though I basically I am projecting that you should probably be okay. My favorite pick here and my lock for the SEC on CBS game of the week that you can also stream on cbssports.com through SEC Live or on the CBS Sports mobile app is to take the over. And when... Uh, it's a Mississippi state defense over uh it is a you know potentially if there is a letdown angle to picking it lSU I actually think it might be if you just show up and and you're you're not really um dialed in defensively Kylin Hill's good enough and I consider Joe moorhead a a strong enough offensive mind that if he's seen something on tape from either Florida or Texas or the teams that have been able to move the ball a little bit, I mean, I I'll, I won't forget, Ed Orgeron said after the Texas game that for the entire second half, Texas was one step ahead of their defense schematically. He said they, they had our number. And so there are uh, hints on tape of ways that you can start to – get some advantages against this LSU defense and if if I think that miss you know you said what's Mississippi State going to get Barton I I think Mississippi State can get to 21 I just think that LSU is going to hit 50 and so uh, I will be locking up the over 61 in the SEC on CBS game of the week
3: yeah that's 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 the right play that's uh that's tasty water in a Starkville well that I've had, and, and I, I think you'll <laughs> think you'll be enjoying that once again. Who who has
0: said tasty water from a Starkville well? Is that water tasty? Is that water? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's go, Tom. Back to you.
2: Uh, for my next lock, I am going to go with another. It's not an underdog, but it is an under. I'm taking Duke at Virginia under 45 and a half. Uh, it's a lot of the same reasons I took the under last week in Miami and Virginia still apply to this game because Virginia still has a very good and very chaotic defense and a very, 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 very bad offensive line. And while Duke's not quite Miami on either side of the lines last that we saw last week, like Duke's a little better on the offensive line and it's not nearly as good defensively, I just see this as being a game that's going to be kind of not very fun for anybody to watch. It's gonna be very ACC coastal ish. I think it's gonna be a lot of, you know, a lot of running the ball. We've seen Duke kind of implement the option into its offense in recent weeks. I think we'll probably see a little bit more of that just to give Virginia something to think about at least and have to game plan for. So if to throw them off, if nothing else. And I just see this as being not like a seventeen to ten kind of game, but this is like a twenty one to seventeen kind of final score. So I'm taking the under forty five and a half here.
0: I like your principles. I think this is a really good number, though. Mm. But I like your principle, for sure. Um, interesting. The So Virginia's defense lost Bryce Hall, all-American caliber player and from the secondary. But I don't think that that is going to come into play against, in, this matchup, in yeah. this matchup against Quentin Harris. I think that could be a problem in a few weeks going up against one of the best freshman quarterbacks in the country, Sam Howe. But more on that in a future episode. Um, Barton, you got any Duke Virginia feels? Nope. nope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm going to take us to a what I believe will be uh, a a very low scoring I, I a very low scoring game here in the noon slate. I'm going to take us to Columbia, South Carolina, where as I'm. I'm kind of tempted just to to jump on Florida here. I think that even with Holinsky uh, giving it a go, and knowing how chaotic the the Florida defense can be, and yeah, after getting zero sacks, they they are going to be hungry to try and put a quarterback into the ground. I'm tempted to jump on the Gators to cover this number on the road, but I don't want to. I, I don't want to have to like be that invested in a game where I feel like the best side is going to be to jump on the under here. South Carolina's defense played really, really well against Georgia. And uh, I think that they're going to have a good game plan for figuring out how to limit what Kyle Trask is able to do. I don't expect South Carolina's offense to score a whole bunch in this game. I just, I keep I keep reading this one way and the other, and I think that Dan Mullen would be happy to be able to to get out of this game and get out of Columbia, second straight road game, just get out of it with a win by any margin, not re- too worried about um, trying to put up a whole bunch of points. I think that we've got next week they're off, right? The Gators are off the week before cocktail party. Pretty sure, yeah. So this is – this is a just doesn't matter what the score is, doesn't matter what the margin is, no worries about style points, just just get out of Columbia with the win kind of spot for Florida and uh, and for South Carolina, if there's a little bit of a letdown, I think that it's going to end up coming on the offensive side of the ball. So give me the under in, uh, in Florida, South Carolina.
3: What's that number?
2: Let's see. It's 48 and a half. You can get it at
3: under 48 and a half. Well, Chip, where you lack the conviction and the constitution to go and play Florida here? You got it. I'm going to take I'm going to take take up the reins here. I'm going to take take the charge of playing this Florida team. Uh, this is my this is a week of week of favorites to to counteract Tom's week of underdogs. <laughs> I I think Like, South Carolina got three turnovers. One of them was a pick six. An All-American missed a field goal. Uh, uh, One of those turnovers went right through the hands of a Georgia receiver. Like, they played a third-string quarterback. Ryan Holinsky's coming back. He's going to be hobbled. I just – I'm still – like, ultimately, I'm – I didn't come away – thinking South Carolina was all that much different than I thought about them coming into the game. And I didn't think they were a bad team going into the game, but I didn't think that they're – I mean, play that game nine more times and Georgia wins the other nine. And I think that Florida keeps on looking better and better. And I know that Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zaniga are, are a little bit banged up and, and I guess they might not play. But I I just think that they – Florida keeps on getting better to me. And even if this is a, a, a bit of a letdown spot after that LSU game, I still think that they're, they're a touchdown better than South Carolina, even on the road. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and, uh, and play the Gators. I'm just uh, I'm very enamored with the Grantham-Mullen duo right now. I think those guys have got something clicking.
2: You know, we, we discussed it earlier, Barton, when, when you and I are in a lock agreement, we're 0-4. And when we're in a lock fight, I am two and one. When I'm in a lock agreement with Chip, we're four and five, but we're gonna be five and five after this one, Chip. Because I'm also on the under in Florida, South Carolina. That's how I knew the total when you asked, because this is on my <laughs> lock sheet. And it's for a lot of the same reasons you said. I just I don't see South Carolina scoring many points at all. I don't know what Florida's really gonna do. I think that you know they they might want to just get this one in if they can if they have the win in hand they might just you know keep it and move on and get ready for Georgia and I also I was at a local watering hole on Wednesday night and there was a South Carolina fan at at the watering hole that I was speaking to and based on his assessment I think this is a good play because he said that if they score more than 10 points against Florida this weekend he'll be shocked yeah <laughs> so uh, and,
0: I, and yeah. I don't see Florida dropping 35 on them
2: no yeah.
3: Yeah, I like this uh, I like this play for you guys too.
0: Um all right, Barton. Well give us give us a play that you like. Take us to your card.
3: Uh all right. Let's see. Let's see if I can find another favorite here that I like. <laughs> um
2: <laughs> It's the unofficial week of the underdog. <laughs> uh
3: let's see. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with an underdog. All right, I'm gonna go with an underdog. I'm going to go with Purdue. They're catching 18 at Iowa City. Um, I think that there's a lot of reasons to think that Purdue should get blown out here. Purdue is beaten up. Rondell Morris continues to be out. They don't have much of a run game to speak of. But did you know that? Jeff Brom is 2-0 against Iowa. Mm -hmm. This is year three. Maybe he doesn't get to 3-0. But I still think that Jeff Brom, going up against this very basic Iowa defense, disciplined though it is, it's a bend but don't break, uh, defense that I think Jeff Brom knows what looks he's going to get. And he's going to be able to... Scheme up a couple big plays just like he has the last two years. So, give me Purdue to continue to find a way against an Iowa team that who's Iowa blown out? I blew out um, MTSU, Rutgers, Rutgers. That's that 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 ain't gonna get you all that jazzed up. I'm I'm gonna roll with uh, with the Boilermakers here.
2: Official week of the underdog. I support it fully.
3: I no no arguments
0: here on my. I'm not going to be throwing it down. But on my early card, I uh, I actually had the over in this game.
2: Ooh, what was the total at? Um, Let's see. It is at forty-eight and a half. Yeah. No, I think that that's in play because I I do think Purdue is going to put up some points.
0: Yeah. Starting starting to figure some things out, mm-hmm. starting to readjust, starting to get a little settled. Um. All right. Well, uh, it did not make the cut, but I'll tell you what did make the cut. Um. Let's see. You got South Carolina. I, I'm going to be locking up the Oklahoma State Cowboys at home. Can I still get it at three and a half or are we at four across the board? Don't forget uh, to shop are, around.
2: Let me find it here. I see it's still three and a half at a little.
3: I of see places. A, Yeah, I see a couple three and a half. okay. Out
0: there. the the graphics on CBS Sports HQ this morning threw me a four, but I just I would stick with it. the The play here, we've got Oklahoma State coming. They lost to Texas Tech in a kind of no show performance. Then they go into the off week. They're coming back after all that time to to work out some kinks and prepare for this game. Baylor, on the other hand, we're coming off the a- aforementioned. Multiple overtime win. They're still undefeated. They're moving up in the polls, but they also lose linebacker Clay Johnson. I think that is a big loss for the defense, especially when we're talking about them trying to slow down Chuba Hubbard and the Oklahoma State offense. And so I just kind of imagine that Mike Gundy, Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace. This is kind of one of those turning point in the season games. Not a must win really as much as a one where to be able to take aim at the rest of the big 12 and make sure that you're not going to finish with like, you know, disappointing like four and five record in conference play. You need to be able to take care of business against Baylor. And so I think that in an incredible clash of styles where Baylor likes to take its time and Oklahoma state wants to be moving fast. I can see Oklahoma state jumping on Baylor early the 15-play script is dialed up to exploit the weaknesses uh, with the absence of Johnson, and then Baylor's just not going to be built to come back from a you know 14-0 hole or 17-0 hole. So I, I like Oklahoma State to uh, to cover this three and a half.
2: I. I'm not locking it up, but I agree with you. And it, it hurts my heart, my my beloved Baylor Bears. I think the Clay Johnston injury is going to be very big for them. But you said it's not really a must win. I think it is a must win for Oklahoma State because if they lose, they're 1-3 in conference. And you can kiss any realistic chances of getting to the you know conference title game away because this is still a team that, for the most part, does kind of control its destiny as far as reaching the Big 12 championship because it, the teams it has to pass, it still plays most of them. So if it can get some wins in those games and they, they drop other ones, they would be back in the picture. So if the Cowboys lose this one, they have absolutely no hope of doing that. So, yeah, I, I think that Oklahoma State is going to end up winning this game too. But I just I can't lock it up because, again, my beloved Baylor Bears. <laughs> I, support, I support this pick
0: um well thanks i appreciate this a lot of i'm feeling feeling good got a lot of support from my team we're here to support each other <laughs> Co- coming up on the other side the rest of our week eight locks
1: next did you know that while over 60 percent of americans dream of starting their own business less than 20 percent of them take the first step the reason building a business is tough taylor brands is simplifying the business journey from launching and managing And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, TaylorBrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T A I L O R B R A N D S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
0: All right. We've, uh, we've all got five out there on the board. So um, let's go back to Tom.
2: All right, you guys ready for this one? Yes. I am taking South Florida plus 14 at Navy. Nah. Nah. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get the family feet. Mm. (laughs) Listen, man, South Florida had a horrible finish to last season. It got off to a horrible start to this season. But the last few weeks... They've been kind of getting it together. They've been playing a lot better than they looked earlier, that's for sure. And they've covered in three of their last four. They've covered both of their last two road games. And I think that going into this one, this is just a situation, too, where there's the principle at play of I have a really difficult time trusting an option team covering two touchdown spreads especially against an offense that has proven in the last few weeks to be a bit explosive, and Navy's defense can be a bit leaky. So I look at this, and I did the math. Since 2005, Navy has been favored by 14 points or more 19 times. It is 6-12-1 against the spread in those situations. And I think that that speaks to the fact that option teams, which are playing, you know, slow it down, possession football, burn clock, try to keep it close – have a difficult time pulling away. And South Florida's defense, I think, is going to be giving up some points here because, you know, their run defense isn't great. And I feel like if you're not a great run defense, Navy's not a great manager for you. But I do think that they're going to get just as many points back against this Navy defense. So I'm thinking this is more of a seven point game than a fourteen point game. So I'm I'm taking the Bulls in the points. The unofficial week of the underdog.
3: You guys ever like go out and There's like Nashville, there's a lot of bachelorette parties, right? And there's, so when you go out in Nashville, this is back in my, back in my younger days, you go out in Nashville and there's always like the mother hen of the bachelorette party. That's like trying to protect all her drunk friends from going home with the wrong guy. Yeah. You know? And so she's always like, she's got like, her head's on a swivel. She's like making, she's like interrupting conversations here and there, kind of pulling her drunk friends back in and making sure they don't, do anything they'll regret I kind of feel like the mother hen of this bachelorette party with you two the way you guys keep on rolling South Florida and Bowling Green and Toledo picks at me like I you know what it might be a fun night with South Florida you might get a win <laughs> but over the over the long run here this is going to be a bad decision to continue to play around with teams like South Florida so hey you know what Tom you're an adult you can make this decision if you want to but uh, uh Over my objections.
2: I I can't wait until I get to my last lock of the week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I, it is with a somber heart that I announce I have stepped off of the fade Charlie Strong train because, uh, I do, I do fear that Charlie is circling some wagons in Tampa. Mm
2: -hmm. Chip got on the tracks and got run over.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I see I see what's happening I see what he's doing there was people people were starting to sniff around you know like uh, uh on the on all the midseason coaching carousel names to watch uh, the athletics friend of the podcast Bruce Feldman's pointing out that oh, I tell you what Tony Elliott, the Clemson co-offensive coordinator running backs coach has done a good job of recruiting Tampa should that come open Charlie strongs wait 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 what no uh huh. Mm-mm. Circle in the wagons, Charlie. I uh He
3: beat UConn <laughs> and BYU with the backup quarterback. That circle that's that's the confidence that we're getting out of this USF team.
2: Yeah. yeah. All right. That's those are you know, I mean UConn is UConn, but I still feel like South Florida is a team the way it started the year that was fully capable of losing to that BYU team.
3: No, I mean yes, they they are. They they still You know, they
2: almost did. And I don't I don't think they're gonna beat Navy. I just think that fourteen points is a little little too much for the mids. All right. All right. All right, pardon. I've had it. (laughs) You next.
3: Uh all right. So let's see. I got I got one more underdog play. And um I'm curious if I'll get my my ACC brethren's approval here. Georgia Tech on the road at Miami getting 18 and a half. I like, I like the rambling
2: wreck here. Ew. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Did I not just get a lecture about being the mother hen yeah. <laughs> at a bachelorette party for taking South Florida, and then you immediately follow that up by taking Georgia, Georgia Tech? Tech?
3: It's like the mother I no, I was the mother hen in that in that uh metaphor, but it's like, you know what, every once in a while when the mother hen's out trying to corral all her drunk friends, you know, something catches the mother hen's eye every once in a while too. She's I'd be like off some steam. See, <laughs> so yeah. Sometimes she's got a little little frustration she's gotta let out. So this Georgia Tech team and Jeff Collins kinda caught the mother hen's eye. And I I, it's more about a fade. Like I, Miami, I don't think should be throwing almost three touchdowns. Sure, sure. I, I
0: understand because I, I you look at it. I looked at it. You know this this was a number that we all stared at. Obviously, this number just spoke to you differently.
3: I mean, it's the last time a number like this spoke to me. It was when uh, Virginia Tech was getting fourteen um, and. You know that that didn't make any sense. So, I, I think Miami typically, historically, Miami wins these big games in a you know uh, on on prime time and surprises folks. And then the next like this one's an, a a noon kick. No one's gonna care. Georgia Tech sucks. No one's gonna think they got to get up for the game. The fan base is gonna just be very blasé about this whole deal. And I just think Miami can will sleepwalk into this thing. And meanwhile, this is Jeff Collins is still looking for that signature moment with this Georgia Tech team. And so, uh, I just kind of like the spot
2: here for I, uh, for Georgia Tech. I do think that Miami, if you if you look at the formulas and the stats and everything that like you know books use to put together spreads, I, Miami is good in a lot of the categories that they care about. And I think because of that they get overvalued because if it's just completely on paper, then yes, Miami should be this big of a favorite over Georgia Tech. It's just that never seems to translate to the field for this Miami team in any like in any of the last six or seven seasons, except for like the one year they like Rick's year when they, you know, started off what, eight or or0 and seven and or something and then. Buddy, kind of fell apart they
0: were and ten and 0.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Except for that season, I feel like it has never really gone from paper to turf. In the same way that it should. So, I mean, it's I I can't get on board taking Georgia Tech, but it is the unofficial week of the underdogs, so you have my support, and I will hold your hair back. (laughs) At the end of the night.
0: So, the good news for you, Barton, is that I think if you get any... I think that if you get seven points, you're close, and if you get ten points, you're golden. If you can get one... Georgia Tech touchdown drive early in the game, you should probably feel okay about this because I don't think Miami will score more than 24 points in this game.
3: I'll take that.
0: But, man, that's and, – And so this was an interesting point that was uh, brought up by West Durham yesterday that – you know, you can you take the whole ACC, you got Clemson at one, you got Georgia Tech at 14, and everybody else could beat anybody else. And part of that is one of the reasons why you look at the ACC and you feel like it's down is because you don't have multiple teams that seem like contenders or, uh, you know, like national top 25, top 20, anybody who could be a threat to Clemson. Just sort of, it's, it's a down year for the ACC. The problem is... The distance between 13, whoever that might be that week, and 14 isn't necessarily as far as it might be perceived. And so when Georgia Tech does get up and get somebody who's not paying attention, like not just covering the spread, but actually get an ACC win at some point this season, it's only going to make uh, whoever they beat, it's o- it's only going to make the whole picture look messier and worse. But uh, – a nooner in uh, Hard Rock Stadium—that might be the spot. The more you talk about it, Miami that's could the be thing. the team.
3: That, like, like that's what I'm just betting on. Georgia Tech has a has a step-up game at some point, and like, what team is more likely to get to be a victim of a step-up game than Miami after a huge win at a noon kick at home? I just just feels like a spot here.
0: Do you know who who might be? I mean, it's not going to happen, but uh, I've I have played out the fanfic where uh, Georgia Tech beats Georgia at the end of the season, week before the SEC championship game.
3: Well, that that seems that seems a little fantastical. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that really a scenario that's conceivable?
0: I, I'm we'll we'll see what this team looks like at the end of the year, right? Yeah. Hey. Jeff Collins. Jeff, Jeff Collins. Maybe Kirby rests everybody. You know, it's 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 a little bit of an arrogant play, thinking that you can uh, get, thinking that you're going to be able to take care of business in Bobby Dodd Stadium, getting healthy for the SEC championship game. No, I I I got it. I, I understand what you're doing. I, I get it. So uh, I will I won't jump on it. That's for sure. But this is uh, this could be the spot where Georgia Tech shocks the world. All right. I'm going to – okay. Oh, all right. I'm going to keep us in the ACC with uh, a a spot that I know is wrong, but I'm going – like this if, – if we're going to continue the night out scenario, I know that this is a bad decision. <laughs> but I need to take myself through this bad decision to work some stuff out, to be able to really get a good feel – for what's going on, where my limits are, like just sort of put myself in a little bit of a different headspace. So I'm going to take NC State as a road favorite at noon at Boston College. This is a bad pick. This is a bad pick, <coughs> but I'm locking it up because two reasons. Number one, it is potential that the bottom is going to fall out in Boston College. And I wonder if I'm getting a chance to get ahead of this uh, where NC State is, you know, they've got Bailey Hockman in there at quarterback. Devin Leary got a couple of series against Syracuse. Wasn't, Wasn't great. The fans are all excited about Leary, but I think that the coaching staff is still a little bit more comfortable with Hockman. The NC State defense is doing a great job of creating all kinds of pressure, getting after the quarterback. Boston College won't have uh, Anthony Brown, I guess, for the rest of the season. And so I, I'm i kind of, I'm taking an NC State team that is settling into itself as one that really rides its defense and then the Boston College defense is kind of weak. Listen, like expecting NC State to be able to go to Boston College as a favorite and win on the road, any NC State fan that I talk to is, is probably going to is probably just going to be nightmarishly um, feverish about this game because they they really need the win. They are NC State is the better team here, and so just to just to experience it, just to live the plight of the Wolfpack fan, I'm gonna lock up NC State as a short ro- as a short road favorite against Boston College.
2: Good luck.
3: I watched. I, I was. Um... For, for a different reason, I was just looking up rushing defenses earlier this week uh, and average yards per carry, and NC State's third in the country in that stat, 2.29 yards per carry. Only Penn State and Wisconsin are better in that regard. So just, you know, with Anthony Brown injured, with uh, – uh, What's our boy's name? Why I have my blanket on the running back Uh, for Boston College. A.J. A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon. Um, Yeah. You know, NC State seems equipped for this sort of spot.
0: NC State just has these years every now and then where you've just got to – like survive at the quarterback position. And it's a good thing that their defense is playing at a high level. And it's, I mean, shoot, the NC state defense has lost NFL draft picks almost every year. And so clearly the the development on, on that side of the ball is going well. And, you know, whether it's the, you know, like after Russell left, I think they just had to survive for like a year. I mean, you know, Ryan Finley, multiple year starter, like you just – sometimes you just you just need to be able to figure it out and i think that's where nc state is they're not going to overwhelm you offensively but their defense is good enough that they should be able to win this game so let's let's go pack (laughs) uh all right let's see how about you tom
2: uh i am taking the under 67 in arizona at usc that total is just too high uh, you look at Arizona; it is scoring thirty-five and a half points per game this year, but in three Pac-12 games, that's come down to twenty-seven. So, literally, you know, more than a touchdown off their average total per game. And USC's offense has been, you know, pretty good overall. It's it's averaging twenty-nine points per game in the season, which is pretty much where it's at in conference play as well. So, I think that that's probably going to be a lot closer to what the final score is going to look like in this game than the total suggests, and also. The under's gone 4-0 in USC's last four games. It's 4-1 in the last five between these two, and I think it's going to be 5-1 after this week, because if this total had been at like 60, I'd have understood it, but at 67, that's, no, That that's too high for this. That, that That's an overestimation and I'm taking advantage of it. <clears throat> yeah, I,
3: I actually was going to play the over in this game until I looked at what the number was, and and because this, like, this is all the makings of an overplay. USC, when they're successful, they like to go down the field with the football. They're finding a little run game. Arizona's 116th in the country in explosive pass plays allowed. Uh, USC is missing three of their top defensive backs potentially here. And so they're going to be a little bit vulnerable in the secondary. I think Arizona's got a chance to score some points. but But then when you look at no, I mean, USC hadn't hasn't covered this total all year. Mm-hmm. Air, Arizona, I think, has only covered this total maybe two out of their what, seven games or however many they played. So it's just a for a game that I was I, I was ready to pull the trigger on the over. It's just too big of a number for me. So I, I'm not playing the under, but I, uh, I I get your assessment here. But what I'm what I am tempted to play here, and what I uh, what I think I'm gonna play Ooh. is USC.
0: Yeah, another
3: another favorite on the on on our week of favorites. Uh, <laughs> USC. So I, I'm a little worried about the defense because I think that 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 is of note that that USC is getting pretty banged up, especially on the back end with Khalil Tate coming to town. But I also think that. Arizona is is just not that good. And I think USC, when you really look at what they've done, I mean, they, they had a, a really tough early season slate, one of the tougher in the country. And they didn't crush it, but they did survive it. They did go on the road against a good Notre Dame team and really in a lot of ways outplayed them. And now they got Arizona coming home I just think this is a this is an opportunity for USC to flex a little bit. I, I think USC is is more than ten points better than than Arizona, especially at home, especially with Keaton Slovis a quarterback. Because you got to keep in mind too, a lot of these games that they played the first six, they had Matt Fink. What two of them at least? What and and so I don't think he's that good. And so Keaton Slovis has been warming up. Uh, Marquis steps getting going in the run game. I, I just like USC here.
0: Marquis Step is the the he's he's become one of those players that I think has sort of uh, taken on the role of why is it Marquis Step playing more <laughs> like he's it becomes uh, the ultimate like Twitter coaches or armchair couch coaches who just, you know, Clay Helton already is a little bit of a punching bag. And then you're just like, Clay Helton, you know, he's got the best running back in the room right there. Don't know why they're not going to him. But with Mala Malapai out, he's getting more run.
3: Well, and he's he provides provides a physical element to the offense that USC needs. You know, even if he only gets four or five yards instead of seven or eight, he's going to. Punch a couple people in the mouth on the way of those four or five yards that I think gives USC a little added—I um, uh, don't know—validity in terms of their toughness. So I like—I like the I like and, and by the way, I'm taking this at nine and a half. I think it's—I think it's at nine and a half a lot of places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So buy the hook if you got it at ten.
0: So this number's growing, but I kind of like. Um, the opposite side of the movement. So if you want to jump on um, Arkansas as a big old home dog against Auburn, then maybe, wait, you might be able to get this thing up at 20. The way that I see it, it looks like 19.5 is the best number that I'm going to get. And I am, number one, starting to move with the position that we have with a couple of favorites this week. And at this point in the season, should Auburn be trusted as a 19 point favorite on the road against an SEC team? Arkansas has already shown Texas A&M good fight. That was at a neutral field. And I think that for Chad Morris and this Razorbacks team, this has got to be one of those uh, spots where you come in with a uh, solid game plan. You rough up Bo Nix a little bit early. You figure out a way to uh, to get this game a little bit close and put a little bit of a, a scare into Auburn. With the, the noon start, maybe you catch the Tigers a little bit sleepy. I am just looking at the slate, and I'm trying to find where the weird's going to be, and I think Auburn – at arkansas is a great chance for weird i think auburn but because of its defense almost certainly wins the game but when i'm catching you know more than 17 points now i i am gonna i'm gonna call the pigs i'm gonna call the hogs let's go woo pig suey uh i'm locking up arkansas plus 19 and a half chip we've
2: got a special guest lock fight
0: whoa 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 uh,
2: yeah as, as i said i was at a local Fight. watering hole on wednesday Fight. night and i was with Fight. our dear old Fight. friend jerry hinnon who is on auburn minus 19 and a half he pointed out that this is just a game that auburn needs to win first of all but his his reasoning was that there's few things that gus Melzon enjoys more he, there, there's two things he likes arkansas for one getting himself a raise at Auburn, and two just beating the hell out of Arkansas <laughs> so he he says that Auburn is going to run up the score on this just because that's what Gus likes to do against the hogs and he, he's very very confident that Auburn's gonna cover this spread so you and Jerry are gonna be fighting this week
3: love it so I was this is on my list of you know like this is this is in the in the margin do I do I play it do I not uh, as as the as the call started here I pushed it to the side and decided I wasn't going to play it. Um, but I would I, I would be on the Auburn side if I were to play this. To to Jerry's point, this is as far back as my current most current Phil Steele will take me. Uh, 2014, 19 point favorite Auburn wins by 24. Uh, 2015 is a four overtime loss. Uh, to Arkansas. 2016 was 10-point spread. Auburn wins by 53. (laughs) 2017, 15-point spread. Auburn wins by 32. And last year, on a 30-point spread, Auburn wins by 31. So to Jerry's point, this is, Gus ain't scared to get get down and dirty in this deal. I, I think Auburn blows him out, but I'm I'm probably gonna, gonna lay off. I'm a little little, little nervous to play it.
0: Hmm. Uneasy feeling, but <laughs> I I like where I'm gonna be. <laughs> I'm I, I understand it, but come on, Chad Morris, kick in that back door. Uh all right, let's go to back to Barton.
3: All right. Well since this is The weekend of favorites I'm going to go with another (laughs) Another big line here And this is probably one of these Like I With that Auburn play Like One of these two games Is not going to hit For the favorite Either Either Arkansas is going to cover Or Vandy's going to cover I don't think both of them Are going to cover And I don't think Neither of them are going to cover But I think that Vandy is the least likely right now. I, I think Vandy has, for all intents and purposes, basically, sort of waving the white flag. I think that they're. I think that they're about done. They just. They just got flat out beat by UNLV. They are getting housed every game they play, and Missouri is really good up front, and he's not. Missouri. Has a really good quarterback. Vandy has all of a sudden opened up quarterback competition between Deuce Wallace and Riley Neal. Uh, I, I just, I know that this game is on the road and Missouri could very well roll in this thing a little sleepy. I just don't know how much fight Vandy's got left. So I think Missouri minus 21 is is ripe for... Uh, for a nice, 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 uh, nice cover.
2: I like it. Um, yeah, I, I got no argument with that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Nope. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not looking great as we mentioned in, uh, the mid season superlatives, not looking, uh, it's, it's hard to look at that Vandy program and, and have some good feelings right now. Uh, Tom,
2: Uh, For my next one, I am taking the under 49 in New Mexico at Wyoming. Uh, These are two teams that like to run the ball a lot. These are two teams that do not move at the quickest pace. And these are two teams that are going to have a hard time standing because there will be 23-mile-an-hour winds blowing through War Memorial Stadium on Saturday afternoon with temps in, like, the mid-40s. So it's going to be cold with some wind chills and some breezes so i i really like the under here i i just don't see new mexico being able to score a ton of points against this wyoming team to begin with i think wyoming's it's a 20 point spread pretty much and i think wyoming is going to blow out the lobos but i also don't see that wyoming is going to cover this over on its own so i, I really like the under here
0: 23 as- hour wins in laramie that's the good mm-hmm. stuff right there
3: <laughs> wow <laughs> got anything, Barton? I got, I got nothing. I got wonders. Wonders.
0: Um, all right. I am going to take us to, let's see, one of the biggest games of the week in Conference USA, Cayusa. NFL Network 330. Let's lock up Louisiana Tech. I can catch this thing at a plus one. Uh, pick them, you know, whatever's going to be. Southern Miss is in town, and uh, and and I think the Bulldogs are probably the uh, the best team in Conference USA. So uh, let's let's take the Bulldogs to be able to defend home turf, knock off Southern Miss, and get the crucial win in the NFL Network Conference USA game of the week. Let's do it. Rustin, Louisiana, will be rocking.
3: What time's that game? Three thirty.
2: All right, we'll all be tuned in. I mean, what else are you gonna watch? Like it's LSU not. and Mississippi State on CBS. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: all right, I've got one left.
2: I have. Uh, I've got two left. I've, I've tacked another one onto the week of the underdog. Okay, a little too many favorites for my <laughs> liking. <here. laughs>
0: Barton, what about you? Uh,
3: Potentially
2: done, but we'll see what happens.
0: All right, Tom. All
2: right, we'll, we'll put on the late ad right now then. I am taking Arizona State plus 13, or I can get it at 14, plus 14 at Utah. Uh, I I like it for a few reasons. One is I don't expect there to be a ton of points scored in this game. I I also kind of liked the under, but it's just the the totals a little too low for my tastes to lock that up too. But this is going to be a defensive game. And I feel like Arizona state has no offense to Tyler Huntley. I feel like Arizona state has the best quarterback in this matchup. So in in what's going to be a game, that's likely going to come down to one or two plays being made. I'm going to take Jaden Daniels and Just a little narrative that I feel like we need to start right here on the Cover 3 podcast. I think we've spent a lot of time talking about Tom Herman as an underdog. but Wrong Herm? (laughs) Yes. The world has underranked Herm Edwards – And undervalued him since he took that job. Let's think back to the reaction to Herm Edwards being hired at Arizona State. Let's think back to our reactions to Herm Edwards. Thinking, oh my God, what the hell are they doing? This is stupid. This is horrible. This is not going to work. And it's worked. But this is also, also, no pun intended, spread to the spreads in Arizona State games. Arizona State has been an underdog 11 times under Herm Edwards. It is eight and 8-3 against the spread in those 11 games, winning a number of them outright. Sure. As a road underdog, they are 5-1 against the spread. I understand Utah being favored in this game at home against Arizona State. But by two touchdowns? No. Arizona State, plus 14. Lock it up. Herm as a dog. Unofficial week of the underdogs.
3: Yeah, so this is one of these games this week. Like, I don't, I just don't get, I don't get this line. Why is this so big? The and ninety five percent of the public is on Arizona State, as far as I can tell. So that this is. The only reason I'm not on, or the only reason I don't have this on my card right now, and maybe I'll just jump on with you and give you the kiss of death, and we'll. we'll <laughs> yeah. with this. But the like, I, I agree. W- 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 this is just too many points here for an Arizona State team that is at the very least has proven that they're going to be they're going to grind it out and find a way to stay in every game. They they might not win every game, but they can they can stick around and we've talked this Jaden Daniels narrative before. This is not a kid that is inexperienced in hostile environments at this point in the season, and he's not even ineffective when he has been in hostile environments prior to this. So I, I'm, I like this play. Uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll hold off to this. I'm, I'm going to wait and s- I, may, I may still add this to my card. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I have been uh, on Utah. I'm not going to lock it up, but I think the reason that they're favored by a bunch and even with the, uh, the action coming in, as you reported, Barton, it's a tough place to play. It's a team that's getting better. Arizona State's done a good job of being strong on defense and hanging in there defensively. This kind of feels like a... A little bit of a grown man game. Feels like it's going to be a learning lesson for uh, this young Arizona State team. Maybe a little bit of a letdown too coming off a dramatic win against Washington State. Zach Moss, you know, you, you're talking about Marquis Step making you hurt with the way they're running. Zach Moss, he's going he's gonna to put some young Arizona State defenders into the ground in this game. I do think Utah covers this spread. I don't know if Arizona State scores more than like Ten or fourteen points, but um, but we'll see. I'm I'm fascinated. I think it's gonna be an awesome game, but uh, I understand why Utah is favored, and I actually do think I don't think they're gonna win by twenty. But I understand why they're favored the way they are, and I think that the numbers good. So we will see. All right, I am going to be traveling on down to Austin on the Longhorn Network, where I'm gonna be taking. The Texas Longhorns covering 21 against Kansas. This sucker opened at 23. It's getting bet down. People think Les is going to bring that big game juice for the Jayhawks, and I think that Texas is going to thump them. I think Texas could use a a good old romping, you know, like a, a 24 to 30-point win and I think that Kansas is just the team where they're going to be able to get it. So, uh, yeah, I'm not afraid of the big number. Let's lay it with the Longhorns.
2: You're not cool. going to be able to watch the game, though. I mean, I know this is the game you really want to see.
3: <laughs> this is, uh, this, is a, this is a ballsy play by you, I think. I'm, yeah, a, little, I I'm a little hesitant on this one, man.
2: <laughs> I mean, to lay that many points on the unofficial week of the underdog, is <laughs> yes. That's something.
3: Yeah. Even in the week of the favorite, some favorites not going to cover.
0: <laughs> um, well, uh, just because I'm not going to be able to watch it doesn't mean that I'm not going to hand it out for the people or figure out a way to root it on because I don't know if I'm going to have time to watch my beloved central Michigan Chippewas covering 11 at Bowling Green. Lock it up.
3: Yes. He's back, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen.
0: (laughs) I'm not going to let Bowling Green's on the field victory against Toledo when Chip's handing out Toledo minus 26 and a half. I'm not going to let that steer me wrong, and I'm not going to think that Bowling Green is all of a sudden going to be a revolutionized change team. No, no, no. I am jumping on Jim McElwain, fire up Chip's, and we're going to cover that 11. Fading Bowling Green, back on it again.
3: Let's see what has Central Michigan even done so far this year. They they've been pretty decent under Jim Mac. They, they had, had that they got,
0: recruiting trip to Miami, remember, where they went oh, yeah. down to South Florida
3: and put up a good fight. They put it on Eastern Michigan a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, I, I honestly, I actually looked at this game and I I, I thought about it too, but. I kind of I sort of have a principle against playing these sort of games, but I am, I, I'm pleased to see you on it. I know that goes against, you know, what I've been preaching to you, to you boys, but you know, go have some fun, man. The, uh, have the, some fun. the cover three
0: listeners loved d- dancing on me for that bowling green game. So I, I'm excited to open myself up to more arrows.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, this, I feel like this is a safe, a, a safe principle. You know
2: they're not going to Bowling Green cover two weeks
3: in a row. Uh, nah. All right, Tom. What's your
0: What's your last one? Bring us home.
2: Uh, I'm going to Conference USA. I want to talk to you guys about the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. The Toppers are four and two. They're three and zero in Conference USA, sitting atop the East Division. They've beaten UAB. They've beaten FIU. They've beaten Old Dominion. Last week they beat Army. But let's go through their point totals for the year. In their season-opening loss to Central Arkansas, the toppers scored 28 points. They scored 20 against FIU. They scored 21 against Louisville. They scored 20 against UAB, 20 against Old Dominion, and 17 last week against Army. Their season-high in points was that 28 they put up in a loss to Central Arkansas. And now, one of the least explosive offenses in the country finds itself... As a nine point favorite at home to Charlotte in the unofficial week of the underdog. I'm locking up, Charlotte. This is a team that is better than its record suggests. It's better than the numbers suggest because it got killed by Clemson. And that kind of really, you know, upset the numbers. It's lost two cents to Florida Atlantic and FIU, two teams that are, you know, better than the 49ers are. But earlier this year, this is the same Charlotte team that went on the road to Appalachian State and put up 41 on the Mountaineers, nearly pulled that upset off. They're going to cover. I think offensively they are stronger than Western Kentucky, and I think that Western Kentucky's defense has been a little bit leaky in pass defense. They've given up some big plays, and I think that's something Charlotte will be able to exploit in this matchup. I don't know if they're going to win outright, but they are definitely going to cover this spread.
0: Niners!
2: That's right. Niners plus nine. Love it. Fighting Will Healy's...
3: uh... All right, nice. With that, I tell you what I'm, I am going to do here. Um, you, you just you,
0: you find yourself you're you're measuring, aren't you?
3: I talked you into Charlotte, <laughs> didn't I? Oh right, so you guys, y'all have loaded cards here. How many are y'all going? Eleven I'm games.
2: I'm at ten. I added one. one yeah. You know. Okay, so I'm still at
3: eight. So just to get to nine here, I'm actually going to circle back and have a start a little fight with chip yeah I'm gonna play I, I'm gonna lay fight. the 19 fight. and a half fight. for Auburn fight. as my final fight. play uh, we've already discussed I, I think this is one of those games Auburn Auburn rolls up um, and there's one more dentist play the dentist is is going over 55 Ole Miss A;m
0: okay. <laughs> what a calm <laughs> response from us! Oh, okay. Oh, all right.
2: Mm, yes. Mm.
0: No cavities. All right. See you in six months. Later, Doc. <laughs> this
2: is this is the second week in a row you guys have had a lock fight after not having any all season.
3: Uh, Chip yeah. won last week's. I got to get him back.
0: Yeah. Woo Pig Suey. All right, let's review these loaded cards. We got. You
2: want to do Moneyline Sprinkles?
0: Oh, yeah, Moneyline Sprinkles. Mine's uh, on Washington. I think I already mentioned it.
2: Yes. Uh, I am on Syracuse plus 145 on Friday night for our listeners. Ooh. I'm not trusting Pitt as a road favorite. No, sir.
3: Wow. All right. So let me see. I got to come up with one. I got to come up with one right now. Uh, I'm going to roll with. Let's see. Here, talk for a minute, Chip. Give, give Roll down the card, and I'll come up with my money line Sprinkle.
0: All right. <laughs> to review Tom's card, we got Michigan plus 9 at Penn State, Washington plus 3, Oregon State plus 11, the under 45.5 in Duke, Virginia, the under 48.5 in Florida, South Carolina, South Florida plus 14 against Navy, the under 67 in USC, Arizona, the under 49 in New Mexico, Wyoming. It's going to be windy in Laramie. Uh, Arizona State plus 14 on the road at Utah. Charlotte plus nine against the f- fraudulent Hilltoppers. His lock fight is with Barton. His lock agreements, Washington with Chip and the under 48 and a half with Chip. Lock agreements between Tom and Chip for the record are four and five. All right. We are getting back above 500. Barton's card <laughs> Looks like this. We got the lock fight with Tom. He's taking Penn State minus nine. LSU minus 18 and a half at Mississippi State in the SEC on CBS Game of the Week. The under 51 in Washington, Oregon. Florida minus five at South Carolina. Purdue plus 18 against Iowa. Georgia Tech plus 18 and a half at Miami. Auburn minus 19 and a half. That is a lock fight with me uh, in the Auburn-Arkansas game. USC minus nine and a half against... Arizona Missouri minus 21 against Vanderbilt chips card. I got over 61 in LSU, Mississippi state. I've got Washington plus three. I've got the under 51 in Washington, Oregon. That's a lock agreement with Barton. I've got Oklahoma state minus three and a half against Baylor, the under 48 and a half in Florida, South Carolina, NC State minus three at Boston College Arkansas plus 19 Louisiana Tech plus one against Southern Miss Texas minus 21 probably a losing bet against Kansas and Central Michigan certified winners minus 11 at Bowling Green Dennis has Penn State minus nine and the over 55 and Ole Miss Texas A&M and
3: I'm my uh, my money line sprinkle I'm going to roll with Oregon State plus 325 <laughs> And getting win totals
0: on top of it.
3: Yep. Double that. Yeah double cha-ching there this weekend's coming boys Woo, boy I love it uh, remember if you
0: want to submit a question to the mailbag these mailbag questions are uh, providing excellent discussion we are loving it our listeners are smart your questions are good and uh, we're having a lot of fun with it so mailbag still wide open the way that you can submit a, a question for the mailbag you go and you give us a five star rating you can give us a review and leave the question um, we really appreciate it we love hearing from y'all you can also get at us on twitter you can follow us at barton simmons at tom Fernelli, at chip underscore patterson gentlemen talk to you on saturday night
2: thank you